When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. Hello and welcome to this latest edition of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am your host for this evening, Robert Borthwick, and I'm joined by Mr Craig Anderson. Craig, how are you? I'm good, Rob. It's been a while since I've uh, been on with you and, and I noticed the only, you, you volunteered to host and I'm pretty sure it's so that you knew your name was first this time. Well, that's it. I mean, that's the only reason why I was just, uh, you know, peep behind the curtain before we before we start recording here. I said that I hosted the last one with Tony. He didn't cotton on to the fact that that's why I was hosting, is, is so that my name can have that prominence. Uh, you are one of few people in the podcast who alphabetically actually are deservedly, <laughs> ahead of me. Um, but you know we'll we'll, we'll bypass that. It's absolutely fine. Um, yes, on this week's show once again, uh, I have been um, put through the torture of having to talk about the Scottish Cup. Uh, as a Heart of Melodian fan, that is not my favourite subject just now, but what we are going to do today is run through the winners and losers of the Scottish Cup last 16. Um, now, it's kind of a, a weird weekend in that every single lower league club, all six of them, were paired against top-flight opposition. There was no all-lower league ties, which you can see is a good thing uh, for the lower league clubs, or a bad thing, because they all got pumped. So, you know, either or, um, it was a, a bit of a weird one in that way. The first time since uh, 85, 86 I made it that um, the, there's not a lower league team in the last eight. So, Ah, um, yes, a, a, another favourite year of being a Hearts fan, that one. <laughs> thank, you, thank you so much for uh, just double-dunting me there. That's got, got, to the, got to the final, though. You've got, you've got to be happy with that. That's um, it. We've got the final, that's it. That's it. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, but, but yeah, so it was, it was, I think the first thing I was going to say was that the big winners were, were the Premiership um, because... It's eight of them left. Um, yeah. But I, I, not, there, there wasn't really a surprise result all weekend. Like, 
No, there wasn't actually. Um, like maybe Aberdeen winning is a surprise these days, but apart from that, like there wasn't anything that kind of struck me as is not being expected. No, completely. I, I've got the same one. Uh, top flight clubs showing them how it's done is what I've written down here. But that's kind of pushing pushing it a wee bit. Um, seeing as Motherwell uh, were taking the penalty kicks by a fairly dismal Greenock Morton side. Um, but in hilarious circumstances, at least, you know, there was a 121st and 123rd minute goals after basically no goal mouth action for the entirety prior to that. So, I mean, you can kind of say that that was the, the closest we got to a proper upset. Um, but in, in terms of like, I, 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 my losers, anyone who watched Motherwell versus Greenock Morton, um, because it sounds like it was just an absolutely diabolical cup tie. Uh, you know, it, it looked like a mid-season league game for two teams that weren't fighting for anything when actually, you know, the, the prize at the end of it was was quite a major one getting a, a game against Hibs. So yeah, that, that looked... And from everything that Graham Thulis has said, sounds like it was a, an absolute horror show. I, th- I think uh, the the other winner would probably, one of the other winners would be the uh, the, the TV broadcasters because I think they picked the correct matches because the the I I watched uh, Kelly against Montrose, which was not much of a spectacle. I, I don't think St Johnston Clyde was much of a game. Uh, obviously, you've already mentioned that one, and there's another one that's been so memorable. I can't even remember it. St. Mirren beating um, Inverness as well, which a drama, I suppose. But I don't think any of them were particularly great games. And actually, I watched all the ones that were on on the telly, and I thought they were all all fairly good games, with the exception of uh, of Friday night, where there was at least some enjoyment to be had, and um, Dundee United kind of getting put through the ringer a bit. Um, so there's like that dr- dramatic um, aspect to it, but. Beyond that, the other three games I thought were, were, were very good um, that were on the telly. Yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. I think, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm the same as you. I watched each of the games then, obviously, the uh, the, the Premier Sports Bonanza that was Old Firm Sunday uh, with the loudest PA system coming in uh, behind the guys in an open studio, shall we say, uh, in the stand at Ibrox. I was, I was you know, I was going to put that down as one of my losers, so I might as well just put it put it down now. Um, anyone who had to deal with that PA system at Ibrox, absolutely blasting out uh, follow follow and uh, the rest of the the party tunes that you get there uh, on the the blue side of Glasgow. It was it was weird. Um, I think obviously like coverage of Scottish Cup games and stuff like that does sort of vary and differ. And I know that Premier Sports obviously want to put their stamp on the Glasgow Derby, uh, shall we call it for all intents and purposes. And and I think it, it was it was just quite funny seeing so many of them stacked into one metre distance between each other, uh, kind of in height order. So it had David Weir in the middle being the tallest uh, and sort of uh, <laughs> going up and down, ascending and descending to Gordon Strachan on one side and uh, Derek McInnes on the other. It, it reminded me of, um, the, 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 it was the same production company, I guess it was still Sunset and Vine, but it was on, on BT Sport with the, the League Cup final when they played each other in, in December. 2019 it was and yeah it felt like there was like a, an, an endless roll of pundits it was just like everyone who how, how many people are we allowed here like you can imagine like one of those clown cars like outside the studio like just uh pundit after pundit rolling out oh here's peter lovenkrantz here's uh john hartson here's do you know what i mean uh but yeah at least nowadays it's getting some extra people into the game we can't can argue with that well indeed 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 um give us another winner craig what have you got so, so I'll go from the, for the for the game that I found most entertaining, um, which was the the Aberdeen Livingston game on Saturday evening. Uh, my winner is Craig Levine. 
Um, right. And and I'll, I'll talk you through the logic of that, which is that I think Livingston showed you for seventy five minutes how like a four six zero could work. Yes, so it was kind of like a vindication, um, a very belated vindication of um, of Craig Levine's idea. Um, except that that David Martindale, to a point, was able to execute it much better. Um, I thought the the winner, the best player on the part by a distance in that game was J. Emmanuel Thomas. He was superb on the kind of wide yeah. left role that um, the, the, the Jamie Mackey role of a four six zero. Exactly, exactly, um, and and yeah, the, the, it, it, I thought it was. Um, I was when I was watching the game, and I'm when I'm no when I know I, I think I might be on a podcast. I'm like thinking of like, well, what am I going to say about this game if I'm um, if I'm coming on to talk about it? And I was thinking, you know, I was about to go on and say, you know, this is a perfect performance from Livingston. I thought they were absolutely spot on for that first 75 minutes. And I think when when Nicky Devlin breaks up the park and gets himself into that byline and he's got two men to square it to across the box, not an easy ball, but one you'd expect a player his quality to make, to make it 2-0 and you think, right, job done, this is this is Livingston going through, you know. And and obviously he he tries a pullback, which in itself is not a bad ball. Uh, or not a bad idea, but it just doesn't execute it that well. And then all of a sudden, yeah, less than 30 seconds later, it's one each. And um, from that point on, I thought Aberdeen were, were the better team and, and got themselves through, I suppose. Yeah, it was kind of... Um, I think because Aberdeen has been so profligate in recent months, not even weeks, recent months... They needed a real bolt from the blue and they needed like a, a cracking goal to, or, you know, something bouncing in off someone's cock or something. I don't know. But they got a cracking goal from Niall McGinn. Um, every time I watch it, it gets better, actually. The, the finish is just absolutely perfect. Kind of rolling back the years a wee bit uh, with the way in which he, he finished it with such confidence as well. And that was that was going to be one of my winners, actually, was uh, eventually Aberdeen's forwards. Um, actually being able to put the ball in the back of the net and I, I think this is obviously a, a good segue into that you know Florian Camberry as well in extra time he's he's kind of done what Florian Camberry does since signing for Aberdeen which is a lot of running some really nice close control holding the ball up um, coming deep if he needs to but he's just not looked like too much of a goal fit up until now and you know I, I think he's never going to be a guy that's grabbing 20 goals a season I, I, don't, I just don't think that's his game but he his goal again had a, a hint of fortune about it but it was nicely finished it was a nice move um, and I think yeah Aberdeen's forwards obviously Stephen Glass has come in and said I want to be this expansive attacking football team you know that's his uh, how can I even say it that's his style uh, that's how he wants to play I never watched Atlanta United 2 uh, which I believe they're called so I'm, I'm oh, but how, 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 could, how could you miss out on that like I mean <laughs> wall to wall coverage I know that's that's it's my own fault. It's my own fault, Craig. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think that he's come in, and obviously you can see like the, the way that he's he's kind of playing with two up with Hornby and Canberra as well, and trying to get that out of them um, was interesting. Like you said, I think for 70, 75 minutes, uh, Livy played the game perfectly. They played it really well, but as soon as McGinn put that ball in the back of the net, even even an extra time, that that penalty from Emmanuel Thomas was a wee bit against the runner play. So yeah, it was. It was a, an interesting game, certainly one of the more entertaining ones. And I think Emmanuel Thomas is one of the biggest winners I had on here because I thought he was absolutely brilliant, um, like you said. And I think the, the only other one I've got from this game is a, a loser, which is Jason Holt. 
you never want to be the one guy that misses in a penalty shootout. <laughs> if someone else misses, it can at least help you. You've got a you know a, a shoulder to cry on there, so to speak. But um, no, for for him being the only one to miss is a, a bit of a sickener. It was actually it was actually a fairly well executed penalty. Like it wasn't you know it wasn't a million miles off being a really good penalty. If you know what I mean, because he, he he obviously sees um, it was Lithgow, wasn't it? Hit the first one and um, yeah. step up and just absolutely batter one in, and he obviously kind of thought I'm going to try the same thing, but um, just just as I say, it was half an inch too high and, and otherwise it's probably another really good penalty um, I, I'd, I'd kind of a loser from the same shootout which was Mac, Max Dreijek. Um people always say like you know goalkeepers can only be heroes in penalty shootouts but I think he kind of proved that wrong because it was the most kind of pathetic effort for, for all five <laughs> penalties it just never you never had any faith in him saving one to the point where after Jason Holt missed he, he missed the second one right and then I think it was there was the third Aberdeen penalty went in and I was watching Stryek with him and I'm like, right, um the only one I thought you know, I thought, right, that that's it. That there's no way it would take an Aberdeen player to miss the target for um for them not to win here. And the only one that I, th- I had a bit of um I thought he did the right thing with was Camberry's penalty because I was absolutely certain Camberry was going to try a Penenka. Um, yeah. and he did kind of stand up for it but but Ken Berry just slotted into the so maybe double bluffed him just slotted into the corner um, but yeah I I thought as goalkeeping performances and penalty shootouts go it was one of the worst I've ever seen Um it, it reminded me of one where Arsenal played Sheffield United and the English like a very obscure reference about in the English League Cup probably about 15 years ago and whoever the goalkeeper might have assumed it was Paddy Kenny was injured and so yep. he just couldn't dive to the right. And so I think it was um, Pires or some, somebody basically was just telling all the penalty takers, just put it in that side. And Arthur just side for two, three penalties into that bottom corner and, uh, and won the game. Um, that is a but, tremendous reference. He pulled his hamstring, uh, kicking the ball out halfway, like halfway through half, uh, extra time or something. I remember that very well now. Yeah. Um, should have sent Phil Jagielka in probably. Um, <laughs> but... But yeah, the 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 like you compare like David Marshall um against Serbia, where even the ones he didn't save, he, he got close to at least two of the ones he didn't save. Strayek, I think, could have been there. I think the whole Aberdeen team could have gone through penalties and I think he'd have saved one. Is this is this one of those situations where they maybe should have done like a sort of Tim Cruel uh, <laughs> style, bring Robbie McCrory on in the last two minutes? Just to give them more of a chance. Or do you reckon because I know that obviously penalties are something that are practiced before cup games clubs talk about it all the time you know would, would Stryak have, have maybe only just sort of clammed up slightly during that shootout or is that something that maybe they, they could have known beforehand yeah it's hard to tell like he just didn't look at all like he was getting anywhere near saving one and at least with if he had brought Ross McCrory on then he, he would have at least had one of the Aberdeen players who's presumably faced several hundred maybe thousands of penalties against in, in his time so uh, which was his brother obviously Um so, so he would have at least had the inside scoop for one of them, um, which might have been enough. Just we, we have to ask the cutting questions on this podcast, Craig. That's it. Would we have hypothetically gone into David Martindale's boots and subbed on another goalkeeper who's average? I'm not sure if we would have. I'm not no. sure. Um, I suppose there was only one kind of other half loser in this game, which was Joe Lewis. Um, it was one of those impacts for his injury that immediately you just go, ooh, like that, as soon as you see the replay. That's got to be a broken rib or two, surely. That looked absolutely horrible. Yeah, I was surprised he, he played on, but, but the goalkeepers are a bit like that, I suppose. But um, he, as soon as you saw it, and you could tell, because it was obviously just accidental, it was a, 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 the, the level player kind of got shoved into him. But it, 
Yeah, it was a big impact, and, and yeah, I'd be surprised if we see him him again this season. To be honest, um, I assume there will be some. Well, I was going to say surgery. I don't think he'd have surgery for a broken rib. I don't think, I don't think they, they're not going to sew the bones back together, are they? Um, just, just, just take them out like Marilyn Manson. That's <laughs> it. Remove them completely, give them a better quality of life. That's it. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, but, but Gary was just dependable enough, so they're, they're, at least they've got a, a handy enough backup. Um, but yeah, Chris, he doesn't miss a lot of games, Lewis, as well. So it's kind of one of these guys. It'd be very weird to see Aberdeen with with not him in goals. I think they said, didn't they? It was like 162 out of 163 games or something like that on the commentary. Ah, yes, it's mental the the amount that he plays for them. Um, and it's, you're right in saying the way that he played on as well. It's like it's not as if you can run it off <laughs> if you've got if you've got a, a rib thundering into your lungs uh, halfway through a game. So uh, it was it was a weird one, but I think you know. As soon as he went down that second time, you're like, aye, he's properly there. That's not a bruised rib. That's that's something a bit more sinister, you think. I wonder if we should do a medical podcast here because we've, we've, we've kind of come up with some really insightful stuff here that you, you can't run off a broken rib and you can't do surgery on bone. Yeah. So, or you can't sew bone together. So so I think we, we're, probably, we're probably missing our calling here. Well, listen, to, uh, Craig, there's, there's now so many different uh, sort of arms of the terrace Scottish Football Podcast Network uh, that I think a medical one, we might as well. Hmm. Uh, you know, we can reference like scrubs in the yard and stuff like that and just and just go from there. The Dr. 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 Nick Ramori as well. That's his name, isn't it? <laughs> um, no, no, sorry, I mixed two people up there, haven't I? It's Drake Ramori and, and Dr. Nick um, from, from The Simpsons. So let, let's just move on from this. <laughs> um, for, for, that, for, that, for that insight and more, please join our medical podcast <laughs> on the Terrace Podcast Network. Um, so, so to move on to another game, I suppose um, would be the best thing to do. I'll, I'll, I'll take one from, um, from Ibrox, um, and the loser is everyone who is temporarily associated with Celtic Football Club, because yeah. their loan players um, were rubbish, and their temporary manager um, made a mistake in picking some of those loan players as well, um, and, and not changing it quick enough. So, so, so it was a trio of. Um, Particularly Diego Laxalt, who who was awful. Um, John Joe Kenny, who's just not good enough, and, and El Yunusi, who who doesn't try hard enough. And between the three of them, and then having uh, yeah Kennedy, who kept El Yunusi on the park inexplicably for for much of the game. Um, I think the only good bit of skill El Yunusi had was when he went the, the we dribble through um, through through the defence to kind of set up the the very bad miss from Edward, but. I think consistently since he joined, to be honest, he's not done enough for a player with his reputation. Lacks out likewise. I mean, I I go on about him all the time, but he's not a good player. He, he, I don't care if he's played for AC Milan and all that. Like you watch him and, and he doesn't do anything and he got absolutely taken to the cleaners um by by multiple Rangers players, to be honest. And then yeah, Kenny is a is a trier, but he's he's just not very good. Yeah, I mean that that's that's pretty much it. I'd, it was Laxalt, um, for all that he's good going forward, it doesn't make up for his lack of any sort of defensive capabilities. He's, he's just got nothing. He's, it was Nathan Patterson going past him in the first half that, that was the proper, like, right, get him off now. And they did, obviously, take him off at halftime quite soon after that. But that was, that was like the final straw for me because Patterson, 
Patterson, I thought, was absolutely brilliant. I, I really, really like the look of him. Um, he's he's tremendous going forward, great dribbler of the ball. But he didn't have to do much to get past Laxfield. All he had to do was chop inside. He didn't even drop a shoulder. He just touched the ball inside and Laxalt was a weight of cleaners and, and that was it. He's just he's just not got in a defensive way. I think that, you know, you could look at the signing and say, right, you expect Celtic to have the lion's share of possession in every single game that they play. But that doesn't matter when, the, you know, the, the small share that the opposition gets, they just go straight for your left-back position because they know he's the guy to get past. And if you look through some of Celtic's goals that they've lost this season, so many of them come from that side where Laxalt was meant to be. I, I think, you know, play him as a left winger, he might be fine, but that's not why he signed him. And then, you know, you, you look at Greg Taylor, who's, you know, a solid defensive footballer, but absolutely won't give you much going forward because he's just not got that, he's not got that searing pace and he's not got the trick to get past the man, especially in the old firm game, which essentially just meant that for 90 minutes with two players, their left-hand side was a bit redundant, just in different ways. Uh, John Joe Kenny, like you say, is... He is a trier and, you know, you can tell he's a sort of player that wears his heart on his sleeve and, and all that kind of stuff. And, you, you know, some respect goes to him for that, but he's he's rotten. He's, you know, so many mistakes and, and poor passing, poor decision making. He scored an own goal, like so many things went wrong for him uh, in that 90 minutes. And I think that even when that signing was announced, it was like, right, that is uh, like a Tesco value sticking plaster for what they actually need to get on that side of the pitch. Um but to be honest with you, for much of the second half, I was just thinking about how John Joe Kenny is an evolution from John Kennedy in Pokemon. <laughs> like, Do not be the other way around because his name not usually get a bit bigger. Is they, they get? Um... Yeah. Okay. So so jo- John Kennedy is the evolution from John Joe Kenny, uh, and I was trying to think of of things to to go further than that, but I just couldn't. Uh, John F. Been... Kennedy. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe actually. I mean, you've got an extra layer. <laughs> <laughs> that gives you something. I was basically, I was thinking about this, like looking at the space for about 40 minutes and then I saw Odson Edward miss a penalty and I went back to thinking about it. Um, that that kind of tells you, that kind of tells you how done that game was uh, from quite a, an early stage in it. Um, I think another winner would potentially be Steve Clark um, if he's watching that game because I think you talked about Patterson and what he can, you know, can bring to the table. And you can see, like, and, and the thing that actually impressed me the most is, yeah, the good attack and play, and it's probably the best I've seen him play against a good team. So I think he struggled a bit against um, against Slavia at times, but um, he, he was good going forward and all that. And then he, when he did make a mistake, and it was a really bad mistake in, um, in letting, well, it should have been a goal. I think he, he passed it straight to, was it El Yunusi? He passed it straight to, he passed it straight to somebody kind of threw in goal. Um, and they didn't score, but then immediately after that, he just belted up the part like nothing had happened. Um, and I think like it would be very easy for a young player to go to pieces in that type of situation. You know, made a mistake and all that, and it, and it was none of it. It was just like, fine, I'm going to keep playing. And if you're playing for Scotland, like you're you're going to make a mistake because you're playing against people that are much better than you. Um, that was a good sign, but but not just him. Uh, David Turnbull, I thought was was one of the best players on the park um, as well, and the more you see him, the more difficult it becomes to justify not getting him into the Scotland squad. Um, I appreciate there's other very good players in that position as well, but he, he set place peace deliveries alone are, are just so good. Um, that if Celtic had, dare I say, Shane Duffy on the park, um, they, <laughs> they, may well have, um, they may well have got something out of them. Um, all right, they're conceding another four at the other end, but it might have finished like 5-4 or something. Um, yeah. But, the 
yeah, I think particularly those two players to see guys who can't even make the Scotland squad performing at that level. And to be honest, actually, um, Stephen Welsh had a decent enough game. Not, not that I'm suggesting he's, he's ready for a Scotland squad now, but considering the carry-on that was going on all around him, did fine as well. Um, but, but those two in particular, Turnbull and Patterson, when it's the kind of biggest stage that you can really get domestically, to turn up the way they did, I think is has got to be a good a good sign kind of going forward because both of them, it seems pretty likely will will play for Scotland soon enough. So it's just you know it's a, a case of when. Absolutely, I, I completely agree. I was saying to uh, my flatmate during the game that it's like watching David Turnbull is a joyful experience. Like everything, like the way that he manoeuvres his body, his first touch, the way that he's always taking it on the turn to then look forward, his passing, the way that he can hit a ball with basically no backlift, his delivery. He's just, it's a joyful experience watching David Turnbull play football. And I feel so sorry for him that right now he's currently uh, in with this absolute rabble of no marks uh, that he has to play alongside because stick a good team alongside David Turnbull. I mean, you're looking at it as in like, mind Ryan Christie scored that goal against Hearts in Betfred Cup semi-final and then that was him. He was just class for like 18 months. David Turnbull isn't even on a good side and he's looking good. He's looking that good already. And, uh, you know, he's maybe benefiting from the fact that that Christie is going through a, a big dip in form and, and, you know, maybe he's being made look to look better by the idiots that are playing alongside him. But I don't think so. I think, you know, he was coming up against a great midfield, some really good, I mean, best midfield and best defence in Scotland and best attackers in Scotland this season. You know, he was up against the best team and he was still making an impact, even though... Celtic as a whole weren't really uh, making that sort of impact in the game. Patterson, I think, is, I don't want to pin too much on it, but Scotland don't have a top quality, top class right back right now. O'Donnell's never let us down, but I think that Patterson sooner, probably rather than later, he will be in Scotland squads and he will be making that impact at international level. There's so few young Scottish players that come through the domestic level that I think, fucking hell, like he's class. And the last one I can remember similar to him is Kieran Tierney and sort of saying like every time he comes in, it doesn't matter who he's playing against, he's the same level and the same standard every single time. Um, Patterson obviously still needs to, to be properly tested, but it's, it's given me the same sort of the same sort of vibe. Um, and I can't go through this game without saying a winner, Stephen Davis, for hurtling his 90-year-old body into the air to score a ridiculous overhead kick. What? I, that was just a great goal. I, I think it was uh, it was Tony Anderson in the group chat said they thought it was Ryan Kent and you can understand why because you're like well, how on earth can that be Stephen Davis like because uh, yeah, yeah to, 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 as I say well I'm, I'm not quite 36 but I already feel like contorting my body like that would be a bit of a struggle and, and I do yoga sometimes so so goodness knows how he could uh, he could manage it maybe he yeah. does more yoga than me I don't know <laughs> that's it he just he does he does slightly more yoga than you per week and that's <laughs> that's how he's been able to do it um, yeah, I think the only other notable loser from this game was Odson Edward, um, just for that missed penalty and generally having the air of a man that didn't really want to be there uh, and, and on that pitch. I think as soon as the chips went down, he didn't look like the guy that was going to pick the game up by the scruff of the neck, which he absolutely has the ability to do, uh, keep Celtic up the park and and you know score goals. I think I saw some... Celtic fans arguing on Twitter today, um, Kel Surprise, that his XG was like 2.0 or 2.34 or something. It's like, well, you know, he's he's still doing fine. He's getting in positions. It's like, yeah, but he didn't score a single goal, which means he wildly underperformed in that game. Oh, and it, it, like, 
yeah. crowing about it in, in XG 2.34 when you miss a penalty and miss an open goal doesn't really seem like something to no. be happy about. Um, no. I, I think, I mean, I think Edward, I, I mean, yeah, he doesn't want to be there, but I, I do think that's how he plays most of the time, to be honest. He has a kind of that type of forward. He has a bit peripheral. He has a bit like, I'm going to wait here and the game's going to come to me. I don't think he ever really very often seeks out the ball. I think the one exception would be that that old fun game when, when Celtic went down to 10 men and then he absolutely just just turned it on. But yeah. mostly, if you compare him to like, like Dembele who came before him, Dembele was all action and really wanted to to get himself involved in the game. And I think um, Edouard's got more talent in terms of like his touch and stuff like that, but is happy to kind of float about in, in, in a game like that when you've got other players not trying their leg or at least not not informing, not confident, you can't carry Edward like that as well. Um, so it was kind of, yeah, it kind of got to that point where you, you were looking at Celtic as like a team that when they went 2-0 down, there were four or five guys running about and the rest of them were, um, you know, walking and and you're not going to get back in. <laughs> I didn't think they played that badly, to be honest. Like, like they they had spells where they, they could easily have got something out of that game because um, I think Rangers weren't at the best, but they had too many players who didn't do enough. Yeah, yeah. I think that's fair enough. So, you know, we could talk about the perennial losers that are 2020, 2021 Celtic all night, but give me a winner. Give me, let, let's, let's get back on the positive train here. Um, I'll go for Christian Doidge, I think. Um, I, I thought he had a really good game yesterday for, for Hibs in, in the first goal that he scored. Obviously, the first goal, big goal that he scores. Um, I had it in my head that he'd scored the penalty, so I was I had it in my head all afternoon that he'd scored twice until I watched it back. Um, the first goal that, um, that Hibs scored, that, that he scored, was, was just a really good quality finish, and it's exactly what Doidge is all about, getting himself into those positions and, you know, when he gets a chance, he usually hits the target and, and that in itself, you know, getting the technique to make sure that you're always getting the ball towards the goal is a good sign, I think. And, and I was really impressed. And again, he's playing against Renard and all the usual caveats, but I thought he it's a good game for him and, and he really showed what he can do. And, and you know, ahead of the run-in to get, to get another goal and, and get his kind of confidence is um, presumably a good thing for Hibs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I I like I like Christian Doidge. I think he's a he's a proper number nine in what you'd be looking for. And, and like you said, with that goal as well, you know, it was him that kept it alive in the first place. Um, you know, it, it wasn't a very good clearance at all from the Stranraer boy who just volleyed it about ninety yards up into the air, but only about two yards away from him when it eventually <laughs> fell back to earth. Um, but you know, Doidge is sort of. Just his know-how and his, his, you know, experience, if you want to call it that, of, of nudging into players, getting himself the yard of space. Even when he's back to goal, he can swivel and, and hit it with with that power and that precision. Um, it's Speaking as a striker myself here, Craig, <laughs> um, it, it's, it's the sort of goal you love to see because it's like that's a number nine's goal. That's where you want your, your striker to be and that's where you want him to be finishing it, which is in the six-yard box, in between the sticks and, and putting it into the bottom corner. And that's it, exactly what he did. Um, I think Hibs generally were just, you know, it was the same against Queen of the South, just really professional in the way that they went about it. Um, you know, they, the first half, well, it's certainly the first 10, 15 minutes, they, they looked a wee bit um, sort of noses out of place a wee bit by Stranraer. Stranraer sort of um, had some some early possession where we're getting in their face. But then I think Hibs, you know, had the realisation about 20 minutes in, it's like, ah, oh, no, we are, 
like two or three divisions above this team. So let's just act it. Uh, Martin Boyle became a lot more active in the game. Dodge was holding it up. McGuinness, I thought, who who came in, obviously he's hardly had a sniff uh, through injury and stuff like that. I thought him and Jackson Irvin in the midfield were basically snuffing out absolutely everything that Stringard had. And it was, it was just a, a professional victory in the end. I had Martin Boyle down as a winner just because of um, the fact he got volleyed 40 feet up into the air <laughs> with about five minutes left. Uh, and obviously had a, a bit of a laugh, uh, a bit of a laugh about it afterwards because of everything that's been said about him and his diving uh, in, in recent weeks. But no, Hibs, Hibs, you know, who are apparently now uh, Edinburgh's yellow and green uh, instead of Edinburgh's green and white. Um, just thoroughly professional. I think that this weekend's quarterfinal against uh, Motherwell will be really interesting. Uh, obviously, Motherwell did a number on them at Easter Road earlier on in the season. Hibs aren't great at Easter Road this season. Um, but you know, it's, it's if they're a, if they're as good a cup team as what they're showing just now, um, then you could think they could easily get to the very least another semi final this season. Um, no, just thoroughly, thoroughly professional. The, the other person I pick up on is Ryan Portis, um, who I guess a winner. He, he modelled his game on both Pepe and Sergio Ramos. Like I've never seen a centre half dive so often. Like yes, it was a penalty, but the way he sells like that penalty, and he'd, he'd taken another one earlier in the game. Like he's obviously like refining that side of his game, um, and fair play to him. Was it? Was there not? Um, was not a stat that he's one of the most fouled players in the in the top flight? And no wonder if he goes down like that, he'll, he'll get a lot <laughs> fouled. I say, I say, like being the most fouled player does not mean you're actually. Getting filled, if you know what I mean, um, but but no, uh, yeah, he's um, he's definitely um, developing that side of the game, and, and it's good to see Scottish players doing that. To be honest, because I think we have had a tendency to be a bit too much of a bunch of kind of weedy pushovers. So, you know, the more the more uh, Ryan Portis and Kieran Tierney's we can develop with that kind of attitude, and John McGinn's the better. Absolutely, absolutely. It's actually um, it's a man that I don't like naming uh, on, on any podcast or just in real life to be honest with you but it's reminiscent of prime Stephen Presley the way that he sees or feels any iota of contact and he just hits the deck he's like yep yeah, that's that is cool I've been fouled uh, the referee will think strikers can he tackle so that'll be it uh, I'll get the free kick and get on with it yeah it's it's like a fine art that Porteous has really mastered at quite a young age uh, of, of being able to go down with minimal contact which means he's not completely diving but he's been very, very clever uh, in the way that he does it. And obviously the fact that he's actually won a penalty now doing it and not just uh, three kicks in Hibs half is, is an impressive feat. Now, I want to talk up um, Roberto Inditi, uh, Forfar's defender. Um, I was impressed by him for many reasons. One, his name. Uh, two, his hair. And three, because he, he just looks like a properly good wee footballer. Like he's he, he came up against that Dundee United side. And I think like you know, any player that plays for a, a Forfar or a Strinrar or um anyone like that in the lower leagues on the television who you end up Googling and seeing, oh right, they're only 19, 20 years old. It's like, right, who are we gonna link him to this week? And uh for Roberto and Diti this week, it's been Hatch. Uh, he's been linked to off the back of that performance, obviously. The chat is that Hearts have been watching him all season, etc., which I'm not saying is not the case. Um, but I think it was a really sort of confident display uh, from a, a young guy who is sort of came up to Forfar from from Reading. Um, and yeah, I, I was just thoroughly impressed by him. He's got decent pace. Uh, he looks quite strong. He's good on the ball. 
Uh, and again, like when you play against top flight opposition on the television, it's always going to be a good time to, to kind of showcase what you have. And, and he absolutely stepped up to it. So I want to say a winner is uh, Mr. Renditi. Yeah, I thought I, I thought like considering they've been absolute junk all season for for like they they, oh. they played pretty well um, against Dundee United for most of that game and the, the disappointment I think would be that the goal that they conceded they had a like a, a literal carbon copy warning about a minute earlier yeah. but the, the shot just kind of fizzed past the post and then from like almost an identical position and then the second one goes in and, and yeah fair enough Dundee United did, did deserve to win but. Um, at, at the same time, it's like when you get to that position, you, you want to concede a better goal than that, if that yeah. makes sense. But yeah, they, they considering again the, the season that they've had and the fact that they, they look you look doomed in League One, um, they'll, they'll be pleased with how they, they kind of put up account of themselves. And yeah, someone like in, in Dite, um, you know, can put himself in the short window because a lot of their teams, um, you know, Older guys who I've heard of, when I look through the team, and, uh, as I do every week, older guys that I've heard of, but then you're like, oh, how old is, is he? Kind of thing. And that's uh, that's kind of what you saw from, from several of them because the legs did catch up with them. But um, United will be happy enough. To, it's kind of like the same for a bunch of the Premiership clubs. It's like we got through fine. We didn't play well, um, but who cares? Yeah, yeah. Uh, thoroughly jealous of Dundee United um, being able to go to a lower league team play poorly but still win uh, not something that I have enjoyed from my side this season I think um, I'm just trying to, try to look through my list of winners and losers here it's not it's not an extensive list uh, but this is one that I thought you might be able to help with um, Alan Fleming the Eugenic, uh, sorry the Montrose goalkeeper um, I didn't see the full game I only saw the highlights uh, and obviously the first goal he's flown out for a reason that is still unbeknown to me, uh, obviously stumbled at the feet of uh, Greg Kilty, who's then put the ball in and, and Lafferty has an open goal. And then the third goal, I'm not sure you can say is fully his fault. However, um, he is the one that ends up, you know, face down on the turf as the ball's getting tapped into the back of the net. So I, I thought maybe not a loser for his performance, but certainly there was a couple of moments in there that you just think, ah, oh, buddy. Well, Montreux, Kelly were, were very poor in this game, to be honest. And I don't know how much of that was the fact we were like 2-0 up in basically 15 minutes or whatever it was, um, and how much of it was because Montrose played well. Um, but Kelly didn't create a lot of chances, and, and Montrose gifted just two goals. And had they not done so, I'm not sure we would have, you know, it might have been a, a difficult afternoon. So I think in that respect, you can, you can put them down as a loser because you, you know, seven minutes into the game or whatever it is to the point we had we had people over on Saturday morning uh, friend, other friends that have a, have a baby as well and so we were uh, sitting outside and obviously the game being such an early kickoff um, you know, 11.45 I, I did I actually missed the start so by the time I'd tapped in my, my credit card details and, um, and, and started watching the stream we were already 1-0 up and, yeah. and, and it was only watching back I saw that goal but for, for Montrose to concede something like that um, in that situation is you know, it's the one thing the manager will say, okay, keep it tight, don't do anything stupid, try and keep ourselves in the game, and then immediately do that. Um, it, it just felt a bit um, like the game went. And I, and I was kind of watching, because as I said, I missed the start, and I was thinking, like, Greg Fleming looks a bit different to remember them. Because <laughs> he just kept saying, you know, good save by, or save by Fleming or whatever. And then and then at one point they went Alan Fleming, you know, and it rang a bell actually that I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure Greg Fleming plays for Shrewnor, which was confirmed on um, on Sunday. But um 
it was. Uh, it's good to know that you're keeping fully up to date with lower league teams. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I, it's better that um, it's better that I find it out this way, right? Than, than like live on a podcast or something like that. <laughs> um, so, so I'm having these internal dialogues with myself before I record the podcast, whereas I think there are some pundits are guilty of doing it out loud on the TV. Um, yeah. But but yeah, I, it was it was hard. It's one of these games. It's hard to judge because you kill her two 0 up before um, you know before the game's even really found a flow. And so yeah, we played poorly. But maybe if we weren't two 0 up, we, we would have had a bit more about us because it was just very it was a very lax performance. Um, Malumbu was playing in the deep position in midfield alongside Power, but it didn't work. Um, the, those two together, it was just there was too many gaps. Um, kind of it was very far too easy for. Controls to get in behind and, and Zach Medley didn't have a good game again and um, got caught in possession a fair bit. So so they're working in negatives in the defensive side, but on the the attacking side, I mean it's it's more goals for the forward players and stuff like that. Um I, I was going to say for Burke, but he, he won't obviously get his goal, but but the other two. Um that, this is that, that this is one thing that I'd, I was gonna ask you if I got the opportunity and, and it has arisen. That was it was a cross, but it was very much on target and it was going in. Is it a hundred percent an own goal in that scenario? Is there a dubious goals panel that can still award that to Chris Park? So I don't think there's a dubious goals panel or anything, but I think the difference is like it was a very deliberate header from the defender. Like it wasn't like a wee deflection off him. Like he, he tried to header the ball, um, or he, he tried. To, I think it was a header. He tried to make contact with the ball anyway and, and put it in rather than like a wee nick on the way in. Um, yep. Which is why I think it's an own goal. But you're right. Like the ball, you can, the camera, the, the camera. I don't know about the highlight camera, but the the camera for watching it live was like perfect. It was like literally, it was roughly where I sit at Rugby Park actually, um, right behind the ball, and you could see it kind of curving in off Burke's, Burke's foot. You could see it kind of going, you know, all the way into the net before it took that took that touch. But so so yeah, it was going in. But I, I just don't think he can be given the goal. He had enough goals this season anyway. He doesn't need another one. <laughs> Fair play, yeah. Fair comment. Was was there anything else from this game then that, that you think is worthy of reaching either a winner or a loser list, or is this just very much a a functional um, win for Kilmarnock that had yeah. a few was, sort of wee questions in it? It was the only other loser I'd written down is the process of democracy, um, because the amount of like money. Montrose and lower league fans going on about oh how come we're having to play Thursday and Saturday it's because you bloody voted for it <laughs> uh, I, I, I was doing my head in and like Danny Lennon was on it on today with Clyde and Johnson so this can, this can straddle both of these games talking about player welfare and stuff like that and, and you know lashing out as it, it was described at the, the SFA and the SPFL it's like the SPFL literally said we don't think you should play 22 games we would think you should play 18 games yeah. and clubs went no we'll play 22 games We'll, we know we'll have to play, you know, Saturday, Tuesday, sun, Thursday, Saturday sometimes. But we'll vote for it anyway and then still come out and complain about it. So it's like you, you can't complain about something when it was literally your own decision. But yeah, apart from yeah. that, which is just, just me being petty as usual, um, nothing else to complain about or, or talk about from that game. Fair play, fair enough. Um, I, I'm kind of getting towards the, the end of my lists, but I think a winner I've put in is is Marcus Fraser, just for the, the joy of scoring a last-minute winner uh, against a former foe uh, of a football club, obviously spent so much time at uh, County, and he seemed to very, very much enjoy um, his sclaffy tap-in uh, in the 89th minute to, to put St Mirren through. I thought this game looked it looked interesting. I think Inverness, um, you know, 
they looked like they they made a, de- a more than a decent fist of it. You know, they they are they have improved under Mr. Neil McCann um, to the extent whereby they're they're hitting some some really decent form. Obviously, beating beating Ross County in the last round. Uh, Todorov is now scoring for fun out of absolutely nowhere, which is uh, incredible. Given I've kind of tracked his career since he left Taps, and he's always been this sort of uh, just ambling big lump up front. But he's he's you know he's he's scoring for fun now. His finish was great as well. But um, no, I, I thought the, the celebration of, of Marcus Fraser said, you know, you don't often see players going nuts just now. Even in the old firm game, you know, the, there was there wasn't massive celebrations when the goals went in. But there's something different about a last minute winner in the Scottish Cup to get you through the next round, uh, and I, I very very much enjoyed that. Yeah, I think I think in general it speaks to the attitude of St Mirren this season. They, they've they've scored a few late goals. Obviously, the winner against Rangers, which came after they'd kind of suffered like a, a late setback themselves, um, more of that later. Um, but the the fact that you they, they came from behind again, they snatched they snatched the win again, they, they get through next round to what again again they'll see is a very winnable tie against Kelly um in on Monday night as it is. Um they they've only reached the Scottish Cup semi final once since they won it in 86, 87. Um so that'll be a big opportunity for them as it is for, for Kelly. Um, and you can only win it if you win the games before that, if you know what I mean. So so it was a big uh, big goal again, some some incredible insight from me there. But uh, <laughs> it was it was a yeah, it was a good moment for them to to get over the line as such from what was a, a tricky tie. It was it was great insight, Craig. Uh, this is the free show, so it's it's fine. People need to don't need to pay for that uh seeding, seeding analysis uh, of the, the football there. Um do you have any more? Do you have any more for any more? Or are you? Uh, well, I guess I guess just to pay lip service to. Um, I'm, I'm just going to pick Stephen O'Donnell with both because I think that's three times now he's been involved in games in extra time. At least three times that, but games in extra time that have. In fact, it's probably a fourth time, but it was on the other other side of it where like these nuts things have happened. Because I assume he played in the. Um, I was at the game, but I still don't remember the. Um, Infamous Challenge Cup final against Queen of the South, where his team were the ones who, of course, the last minute equaliser in extra time after a bunch of chaos had gone on. He played in the Kelly, Kelly two games for Kelly against Aberdeen in the Scottish Cup, both of which we took the lead in extra time. He scored in the the first one um, in in two thousand and eighteen, and then Aberdeen equalised it, and, and we lost some penalties. And then he, he was playing again um, in the game against Aberdeen last season, if, if it still counts as last season, it was last season, it feels about three years ago um, and we managed to be 3-2 up going into to stoppage time and, and lose 4-3 um, and then Stephen O'Donnell again scores a, a goal which he scored pretty identical one at the same end of first part for Kelly, um, just a kind of daisy cutter from, from long range in stoppage time of extra time and still manages um, manage still Morton managed to equalise so he clearly is a man who is for the extra time occasion in more ways than one so if Scotland go to extra time in the Euros uh, Steve Clark made a mistake I think in subbing him um, in Belgrade because clearly things happen when he's around <laughs> Mad things happen when Stephen O'Donnell is in the pitch uh, in, in extra time and clearly showing you know that the fitness levels if he's, if he's scoring all these goals in extra time and, and being involved you know it's got it's got to be a good thing. Yes, uh, yes, but also his team then lets him down um, and he has a defender. Um But then he scored the winning penalty in the shootout, didn't he? Against he Morton. Did. So it's like, yeah. 
He did. Um, and then I guess the, the only other tie, since we've not really touched on it, is St Johnston winning. Well done. They're the winners. That's I, I, Honestly, I, I looked at the stats of that game. I saw that Clyde had two shots at goal, zero on target, and I was like, cool. <laughs> That's what we need to know uh, about St Johnston versus Clyde. Two early goals. Uh, um, yeah. Well done. Well done, St Johnston. You, you, you're still on for a domestic cup double. It's, it's a, the one one of the doubles must die next weekend when they when they go to Ibrox, and I, I think to be honest, if anyone's going to put Rangers out, they've probably got as good a chance as, as anyone. Um, I know it's at Ibrox, which makes it more difficult, but they're the, they're a type of team who Rangers could have a difficult afternoon against, if, if or evening actually as it is, um, if if it's, if they start well, and so I think it will be an interesting game. Right, absolutely, and I'm I'm absolutely. Absolutely all for uh, the semi-finals having zero old firm participants uh, just to see Premier Sports once again uh, squirm their way through hours worth of, <laughs> of build-up and, and match highlights. Um, I think that's us, Craig. Yep, I think that that, that was uh, that was an insightful and enlightening 45 minutes or however long it was of your time, um, listeners. So please uh, send all your complaints to Craig Fowler. That's F-O-W-L-E-R, Craig Filler. No, thank you all so much uh, once again for listening. Me and Craig, I believe, are about to go and record a patron, uh, probably talking about the European Super League. So if you want our sizzling hot takes on that, then you can absolutely dive in. That is uh, patreon.com forward slash Terrace Podcast, I think. Um, so you can subscribe on there for various different monetary values, which get you various different levels of content. But until the next time, goodbye. Cheerio. Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.